out there. Second Timothy chapter 2, and uh, we, um, of course, this is our theme for the year, as you see behind me on our banner, and we've been preaching on along these lines, and we're going to continue that this morning. So if you find your place, stand with me together, please, for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, and beginning in verse 15, I'm going to read down through verse 21. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 through 21. The Bible says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun, provane, and feign babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom is hight Minius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for it. We ask now that you bless the preaching of your word. We ask God that you speak to our hearts. Lord, we need to hear from you today. Lord, we need you to work on us today. And Lord, as I pray almost every week, if someone doesn't know you as their personal Savior, we ask that they be saved today. Those of us that are saved, and we allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make, me what, make us what we ought to be for you. We love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last week, uh, I uh, began teaching and preaching through uh, their, uh, our, our text passage, if you will, uh, beginning there in verse 15. And uh, the, the, the title of the message was The Process of Preparing for Good Works. The Process of Preparing for Good Works. Of course, the goal is for us as Christians to live a life of doing good works. And I'm not going to re-preach the message I've already preached as far as the motivation for all that. But I'm just telling you right now, folks, listen to me. A uh, hundred years from now, uh, it's going to matter that, number one, you knew Jesus Christ, and number two, you were busy working for Jesus Christ. That's going to matter, amen? And so right now, uh, as Christians, while we have our time on earth, uh, we're to spend our life uh, uh, being involved in good works. But just like anything in life, in order for us to accomplish that, we must follow the proper plan that God laid out for us. I can tell you right now, folks, listen to me. The Christian life, the Christian life is not lived by accident. Okay, if you're going to be a the rewards at the judgment seat of Christ, if you're going to hear your Savior say, "Well done, good and faithful servant," guess what? You got to do something, amen. And you got to do it on purpose. It's not going to happen by accident. In fact, if you don't purpose to do much, I tell you right now, you won't accomplish much for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as we're living our life on this earth, uh, we need to uh, uh, be prepared unto good works, and that's a process. And we find that process in these passages, this passage I just read to you. And we started looking at that last week. We looked at those action words. And again, let me just remind you, folks, God is a God of action. Amen? He doesn't just say, hey, here's where I want you to be at. No, he says, here's the steps I want you to take to get you where I want you to be at. And we looked at those last week. We looked at, first of all, there in verse 15, study. And how we're to study the Word of God. Then we look at the phrase, rightly dividing. And see how that God wants for us, once we study, to rightly divide His Word according to what the Holy Spirit uh, uh, intended for it to be when He gave it to the human authors. And then we look at the third thing, and that was this, shun. Shun, it means a turning away from. And what was it where we, we were to shun? God tells us 
or to uh, shun profane and vain babblings. Another verse tells us to shun uh, opposition of science falsely so-called, or to shun false doctrine and false teachers, okay? And those are the things we looked at last week. Well, there's four, there, I'm sorry, there's three more action things we find in the previous verses, and so we're going to look at the three this morning, amen? So let's get right into it. Uh, I'm excited about preaching this message to you, because when I was studying this, it helped me, amen? And I, I, I'm sure if you'll, if you'll allow it to, it will help you as well. Let's look at the first thing we're going to look at this morning, or number four on the list, and that's what we see in verse 19. Let's look at that, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, and let's look here at the action phrase found in this verse. Here's what he says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let that nameth the name, that nameth the name of Christ. So that's the first thing we're going to look at this morning, is this, to name the name. Amen? Name the name. Now, I got to thinking about this and studying this and meditating upon it. What is the significance of naming someone's name? Okay? Uh, like, for example, I meet a lot of people, uh, obviously, through the church, through my stuff I do with the church. I'm out and about. Meet a lot. I, met, I met a lot of new folks this week I've never met before. And um, I always try to get to, I always ask somebody their name, but just because they tell me their name doesn't mean I always remember their name, right? But I'm going to tell you right now, let me tell you whose name that I do remember is people that I know. Amen? Listen, if I know somebody, I know their name. I remember their name. I can recall them uh, to memory very easily and very quickly uh, if I know their name. So knowing someone's name means that it's more than just a casual relationship. Amen? How, here's what we say. We're on a first-name basis. All right? That's what we say sometimes. I need you to take care of something for me, okay? Uh, a first-name basis. And uh, if you're on a first-name basis, that means that you know somebody very well, Right? And so naming someone's name means that you know them. It means that it's more than just a casual relationship. Why it's good for us uh, here at the church to get to know everyone, amen, uh, so that we can uh, uh, learn each other's name. That's why we have the church directories. That's why we uh, have the fellowship time, so that it's not just, here's what we're guilty of sometimes, hey, brother, you know, hey, sister. I'm not going to say I haven't done that from time to time. But listen, as our church family, our close-knit church family, we get to know each other, amen? Now, what we see here in this passage is that we as Christians are to name the name. Amen? Let me tell you what he's referring to there. He's referring to the fact that as Christians, God expects us to have a close relationship with Him. Amen? A close relationship with Him. Listen to me, folks, okay? I want you to get this. I want you to understand this because this is key, key, key to the Christian life, okay? Am I thankful I'm saved and I don't have to go to hell? You better believe it, amen? Am I thankful my sins are washed away in the blood and uh, and, my, and I have uh, eternal forgiveness and, and I'm going to spend eternity with God and Jesus and heaven and, and all the wonderful things that's going to be about it? You better believe it, but listen to me. God didn't just save you to take you to heaven, amen? There is a whole another level of the Christian life that he wants you to live. And let me tell you, the key to that, the key to this, 
have successful Christian is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me just remind you, folks, Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ will talk with you, and you can talk with Him. Amen? Amen. And let me tell you, you start getting this as a Christian. You start figuring this thing out. And let me tell you, you get to know the Lord in a way you've never known Him before. It will transform your Christian life. It keeps you from just having this casual relationship well, with Christian, it's kind of like people that just want to kind of keep the things of God, the things of church at a little bit of an arm's length. Well, you know, God, I, I don't mind coming now and then, and I don't mind if I can work it out, coming and being a part. But God, I just want to have more of a casual relationship. By the way, if you want a casual relationship, that's what you'll get. Amen. But to those who are willing to pay a price, to those who are willing, a whole better way of living as a Christian. Amen. And that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, when he's talking about naming the name, remember again, an action step here, he's talking about knowing him on a deep personal level. Here's some other things we can look about that. Notice what the first part of the, 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 that verse says there in verse uh, uh, verse 17. And no, I'm sorry, uh, back in verse, uh, uh, verse 19. He says this, The Lord knoweth them that are his. Now think about this for a minute, all right? The Lord knoweth them that are His. So what's that referring to? I'll tell you what it's talking about. It's that you're His child. By the way, folks, being saved and God knowing you is the foundation of the Christian life. Did you notice what it says there? The foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Now listen, the foundation to it all, the beginning part of it all, and truth be told, the most important part of it all is the foundation of your salvation. Amen? And by the way, I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. You know, some people, well, I know God. I, I know the Lord. It's not a matter of you knowing God. It's a matter of Him knowing you. Remember what Jesus said back there in Matthew chapter 7? When, he, when, when people would say, many will say to me that, uh, that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not in thy name cast out many devils? In thy name done many wonderful words. The, the Lord said, well, look at them and say, I never knew you. You knew about me here. You had a head knowledge of me, but you never had that heart belief which causes me to know you. Let me tell you something, folks. The key to the Christian life is being saved and knowing that you're saved. Amen? That's the, that's the foundational part of the Christian life. Listen, without that foundation, you can never build anything as a Christian. Never. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, notice what it says. It says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another man buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. And then listen to this verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no other foundation which you can build a life on that's going to last, that's going to matter, other than Jesus Christ. Amen? Now listen, He's the foundation. He's the rock that talks about that we must have our faith founded upon. Amen? He's the rock of ages. He is the, as David described in the book of Psalms, He is the rock. He is my rock. Listen, Jesus Christ is what it's all about. Amen? So listen, if you're ever, 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 ever going to get to this point where you are prepared to every good work, 
then you must come to the point where your your salvation is in Christ and Him alone. Amen. And listen to me around here. Listen, I, I'm not I'm not about preaching my philosophy. I'm about preaching what the Bible says. And let me just be very plain and clear. Once again, I know I sound like a broken record, but may I never not proclaim this message. But there's only one way of salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen? Amen. You're not saved by your good works. We already talked about that. You're not saved through uh, what you do do or what you don't do. Amen? You are saved because your faith and trust is in Christ and Him alone, and you put your faith and trust, just as we celebrated this morning, of His broken body and His shed blood, and three days later, the fact that you're resurrected from the grave, your faith and hope and trust is in that... And amen. If your faith and trust is in that, your foundation's right. Yes, sir. Your foundation's right. By the way, if you've got a good foundation, you can build just about anything, truth be told. In fact, the reason we're even in this building this morning is because a foundation, I don't even know the history of exactly when this building was built. I know the different purposes it's been used for down through the years, but whenever, whoever the, the, the person was that decided, I want to build a building on 112 North Prince Street, I guarantee you they didn't start with just walls on the ground. That's not what it was started with. It wasn't started, hey, let's build a roof. No. You know what the first thing that happened? What we're seeing happen right up the street as they're getting ready to build that new jail. You know what's been going on over there for the last several months? A lot of preparation, what they call site work. You know what that means? Guess what? The old junk had to get out. They had to dig that thing down. They had to make sure the ground was compacted right. They're going to have to start bringing in cement and concrete, and they're going to dig down. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only way there's going to be a new jail over there is if there's a good foundation in the ground. Amen? Now, if that makes sense when it comes to physical buildings, how much more sense should that not make when it comes to, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the fact of God's building that He's trying to build through us, through our lives. Your foundation has to be right. And that's what he's talking about. The fact that the Lord knoweth them that are his, that's the foundation of the Christian life. Now, notice what else we see in that verse, okay? It says this, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Now notice this, and I love it, because God put it in here for our benefit. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Now, a seal. And when we think of a seal, uh, even in our day and age, it's, uh, seals are still used. I'm not talking about the thing that swims in the ocean. Ar, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Amen. A seal is talking about a signet, a mark of genuineness. It was a mark that signified ownership and authority. For example, back in the, the days when the Bible was written, they would, they would uh, communicate a lot of times on parchment or scrolls. And what they would do is, as they would deliver these things to make sure they got delivered and the authenticity, a lot of times a king or a scribe within the power of the king would, remember, what would they do? They, they dip a ring in wax, and within that ring was the signet of the king or the signet of the authority figure, and they would dip that, and they would seal the scroll with the seal. You know what that meant? It belonged to the king. It came with the authority of the king behind it. And let me tell you right now, folks, God marks us as well. Amen? Or should I say he sees us folks? Don't you think something as important as your eternal soul is going to just be left up to a coin toss of God forgetting or somebody slipping through the cracks? Are you kidding me? God doesn't just know those who are his. 
He gives security by sealing those that are His. Listen to me. If you're saved, all right, just get this truth in your heart. Get this truth in your mind. If you're truly born again, you can never go to hell. If you're saved, if you're truly born again, well, you Baptist, oh, all you want to teach is that eternal security, and that just justifies people going out and living how they want to live. I've heard that stupid excuse over and over and over again. Listen to me, folks. The Bible doesn't uh, uh, teach this, so we'll go out and live how we want to live. It teaches this, so we'll have the security knowing that we're sealed, so we can have the confidence to be what God wants for us to be. Amen? Listen, I've met Christians before, and they can't get this doctrine of eternal security. I mean, all they are always concerned about, and it's the devil, by the way. It's not from God. It's from the devil. And it's usually from outside influences that's coming into their life is usually what it's from. Amen? And I've met Christians before, and man, they can't get this doctrine of eternal security. They're always wondering. They're always concerned. Oh no, if I die today, I might go to hell. uh, Did I do this? Is God going to send me to hell because of this, because of that? Let me tell you, there's no peace in their life. And by the way, not only is there no peace, they're not accomplishing hardly anything for the cause of Christ. Because they can't get this thing figured out. And listen to me, folks, uh, if you're struggling with that, I'll be glad to help you with it because God in His Word promises that He seals those that are His. Amen? Amen. He seals us. Now, how are we sealed? That's a good question. In fact, there's coming a day later on in the tribulation period where here's how God's going to seal those that are saved. Here's what it says, Revelation 7.3. Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now listen, this is a different dispensation. This is a different time. This is during the tribulation period. And there will be people saved during that time. I'm not going to get into all that doctrine this morning, but there will be some. And those that get saved, the Bible says, literally, he puts a seal on their forehead so everybody knows, these are mine, they belong to me. Now, does God stick a seal on our forehead today to let us know that we're Christians? I wish he would, amen? Sure, it makes soul winning a lot easier, okay? Now, talking to people, oh, yeah, you know, as they're drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been a Christian for blah, 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 many years. It's like, really? I mean, uh, okay, all right. If that's what you think the Christian life's about, amen? I'm not saying people don't struggle with things and all that. We, we get all that. We understand that. All I'm saying is God doesn't seal us today with a physical seal that everybody can see in the forehead. But it doesn't mean He doesn't seal us. You better believe we're sealed. Amen? By the way, truth be told, we're sealed with something more secure than anything to be, than, than they could be uh, secured with. You know what that is? God Himself. Here's what He says, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Who hath sealed us and given the earnest of the capital S Spirit in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let me tell you, God gave us something that's greater than anything He could give. He gave a part of Himself. Let me tell you why I can never go to hell. Because I got God inside of me. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit of God is in me. He seals me until the day of redemption. Until the day my body gets redeemed and I go to heaven. I'm sealed by the Spirit of God. Listen, you know what that gives you as a Christian? That gives you confidence. Not confidence in the flesh. Confidence in the God of heaven. And the promises of God. And the Word of God. And the Spirit of God. You know why? Because God knows who's His. And those that are His 
he seals. Amen. Now, we're getting back to this name and the name thing, okay? So just hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm laying, a, 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 a laying some groundwork here for you. And notice what else we see. Because of all that, let's go back to our verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, all right? Verse 19. The found, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Okay? Now, that being said, because we're, we're, we have the foundation of, of uh, the foundation of God as far as our salvation, because we're sealed, because uh, God seals us through the Holy Spirit of God, because of all that, look at the next phrase, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. So here's the, here, here's the truth, folks. Those who are known, those who are sealed, ought to be naming the name. Naming the name. I didn't get very many amens. Amen. Let me say that again. All right? Those who are known, those that are sealed, should be naming the name. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's better. All right? Keep that up. All right? Now, let me tell you what that means, folks. When you name someone's name, that means that you vocally express a relationship. That's what it means. Vocally expressing a relationship. Listen, it's not called being ashamed. It's not called he's uh, uh, you know he's done so much for me, so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna hide in the shadows and and be ashamed of him. No, folks, let me tell you the name of Jesus Christ. Where you go, when you go, it's called naming the name. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks. We as Christians need a revival of naming the name of Christ. By the way, there's power in that name. Amen. Here's what the Bible has to say about the name of Christ. By the way. It says this, we're not to take it in vain. We're not to profane it. We're not to swear by it falsely. We're not to blaspheme it. We're to declare it among the heathen. We're to give glory into it. We're to exalt it. We're to praise it. We're to make it to be remembered. We're to wait upon it. We're to fear it. We're to honor it. We're to hollow it. We're to cast out devils through it. The Bible says every knee's going to bow to it. Listen, there's something about the name of Jesus Christ. And it's God's children. We ought to be naming that name. Don't be ashamed of the name of Christ. Here's what I've learned, okay? The world can handle a generic version of God. And I'm not being disrespectful because I'm not talking about the God of heaven. I'm talking about the God that everybody makes to be God. Okay? Oh, God this, God that. Let me tell you, though, what they can't handle. You start giving God His specific name, and that particularly is Jesus Christ. That starts making people nervous. Amen? That's the, by the way, next time, yeah, you're, and, and I'm sure you do it anyway, amen? But when you're in public, uh, we'll go out to eat probably after the service like we always do. And I'm going to tell you right now, again, I don't make a spectacle of myself. I don't stand up and stand on the table and, you know, talk in a voice as loud as I'm talking to you. But let me tell you, we bow our heads and pray before we eat, yes, even if we're in public, amen? Yeah. And let me tell you something, folks. I like saying it. I like getting loud when I say it. I like getting a little loud when I say it. In Jesus' name, amen. Because listen, I want everyone to, uh, around me to know who my Savior is, amen? And to let everybody know I'm not afraid to name Better get this verse, Matthew chapter 10. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said that, amen? Hey, you know what he's talking about? Hey, you talk about me to other people. Hey, you confess my name. You confess me. And if you do that before other men, I'll confess you to my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said it. I didn't, amen? He said it. But guess what? There's another part of that. Then the next verse says this. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. He's talking to his children there, by the way. Now, I don't know exactly what that means as far as the repercussions of Jesus denying us before his Father in heaven. It doesn't mean you can lose your salvation. It just means this. You know what? He's promised. 
disappointment. He's probably expressing some, let's be honest, we don't like talking about it, but it's true, some disgust. Some, man, I can't believe they're my child. I mean, look what all I did for them. Look what I blessed them with. And they're ashamed of me. Father, they're ashamed of us. They're ashamed of my name. That happens in heaven. Okay? We get this stereotype picture of heaven in our mind, what we think it is, based upon, you know, our interpretation of things or, or the latest, you know, Philly good book from the Christian bookstore. And oh, yeah. No, let's get our definition of what's going on in heaven from the Bible. Right. You start reading that, you'll start figuring it out real quick. It is important how I treat God down here on earth. It is important that I'm not ashamed of my Savior and who He is and what He's done for me. Amen. So guess what, church? What we need to be doing, if we're going to be prepared to every good work, we need to be naming the name. Amen. Naming the name. Let me show you another one here quickly. And we probably won't get through all this this morning, but that's okay. Amen. Notice what else we see. Or at the end of that verse. But everyone that nameth the name of Christ, look at these next three words. Here's the next action word. Depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. That word depart means exactly what you think it means. It means to instigate a revolt. It means to, hey, desert something. It means to de de uh, desist from doing something. The word iniquity there means moral wrongfulness. It means things we know are right. By the way, iniquity is, is a little bit deeper than just the word sin. The word sin just means to miss the mark. If you want to think of it this way, and although it's maybe not the best way to say it, but sin's kind of the lowest level of bad we can do, if you want to put it that way. And there are different levels of wrong, different levels of bad. The Bible talks about evil. The Bible talks about unrighteousness. Here it talks about iniquity. And iniquity is talking about doing things we know that are right. You know what he says about it? You know what, you know what we ought to be doing? Those of us that name the name? Departing, des desisting from, getting away from doing things we know we shouldn't be doing. Amen? That's what he says. By the way, don't forget this, church. God has a right to tell us how to live our lives. You better believe He does. Amen? We belong to Him. He's our Father. We, uh, uh, we are His children. He bought us with His own precious blood. Don't look at me and say, well, uh, God don't have a right to tell me what to do. Yes, He does! And we have a right to obey what He tells us to do. Amen? And one of the things He tells us to do is to depart from iniquity. I think one of the greatest illustrations of this is, is in the life of Joseph. And uh, again, for sake of time, I'm going to go back to the passage. You know the story. But Joseph was in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife uh, tried to seduce Joseph. And you know what he did? He literally ran out of his coat and departed from iniquity. Amen? And he did what was right. And by the way, he paid some bit of a price for that. But he would have paid a higher price had he not departed from iniquity. Amen? He says it also down in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee also, youthful lust. You say, well, God kind of uh, uh, has the, I kind of get the idea that God wants me to be running from some things. Yes! Yes. By the way, there's certain things you need to stand and fight about. There's certain things you need to run from. By the way, you know it's easier, it's better to avoid sin than resist sin. It's better to avoid than to resist. Let me ask you, let me ask you this, okay? Hopefully there's nobody in this room that has this weird fascination with snakes, okay? Because I don't know about y'all, my favorite snake is a dead snake, okay? I hate them. They give me the eebie-jeebies. In fact, I just read a story yesterday of a man in Australia was killed because a venomous snake slid in his house and bit him and he died in his house. I mean, I hate those things, okay? They, they tell us that a cobra snake, one of the most venomous snakes in the world, one of them, not the most, but one of the most ones, 
has a striking distance of four foot. Okay? Now, let me ask you actually, we've got to think about this for a minute. Let's say I had a real live cobra snake sitting right here on the platform. Okay? And you knew it had a striking distance of four foot. How many would get within four and a half feet of it? Well, it can only strike four foot. I'm safe here. Are you kidding me? If there was a cobra snake right here, I wouldn't even be in this town. <laughs> I mean, I would be calling the SWAT team. I'd be calling the Army, the National Guard. Get that. I wouldn't even walk through that door. Amen. Are you kidding me? Listen, if we would start treating sin and evil and iniquity that way, instead of playing with it, thinking it's our pet, thinking, oh, well, you know, it's not that bad. All these stupid excuses we use when it comes to the things that we try to justify that we know are wrong. If we'd start treating it like that, you know what? We would be a lot better in our Christian life. We'd be a lot more successful and we'd be getting a lot less problems. Amen? If we would do what the Bible says and depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. And here's the last thing I want to show you is this. Let's look at the last word here. And uh, we see this uh, there in verse, um, uh, verse 20. All right? It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Then verse 21, if a man therefore, here's the word, purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Now, let me tell you what's interesting about that word purge. That word purge means to clean thoroughly. Okay, here's what we'd say. It's a spring clean. Okay, if you say spring clean, you know what you're saying? Deep clean. It means doing things you don't normally do except one time a year, right? Okay? And that word purge gives us that idea of the fact that we need to be thoroughly clean. Now, verse, verse 20, God gives an illustration to get the spiritual point across. He talks about a great house. talks about different vessels in a house. He talks about vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of wood, vessels of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. It's kind of like this, okay? At home, in my backyard, behind my shed, I have a container, and that container is my oil pan, okay? When I am graining oil, I have one of my ATVs, or occasionally if Brother Mike's out of town in Ukraine on a missions trip, i got to change my own oil, okay? What's up with that, by the way? But no, just kidding. I had to change the oil in my truck this week. I used to have Brother Mike do it, but he was gone. And so uh, I laid it in my truck, and you know what I used? I used that old, dirty, nasty oil pan that, truth be told, I could care less about other than graining oil in, Okay? Now, later that night, when I went to the house to eat supper, I didn't bring that oil pan in and say, hey, dish me out my supper on the oil pan. Okay? No. You know why? Because it's, a, it's not a vessel in the honor. Okay? It's a dirty vessel. It's a, it's a disgusting vessel. Other than changing oil, I really don't even want to be around it that much because it's gross. It's nasty. It stinks. It's dirty. Okay? And here's the point he's trying to tell us is this. Okay? If you as a Christian are going to get to the point where God can use you, you must be purged of things that are unclean. That's what he said. Listen to me, folks. God's standards is not perfection. Are you glad for that? Okay? We'll never be perfect. But I'm going to tell you one thing we can be. We ought to be. We should be. It's clean. And I'm not talking about just, you know, Old Spice and all that other stuff. Okay? I'm talking about spiritually clean. Our ve- By the way, what vessel is he talking about? A vessel. Well, come on now. We, 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 you know this. I've taught you this before. The vessel, you want to know what the vessel is? Look in the mirror. We're the vessel. Okay? Listen, folks. If God is going to get his work done, you know who's going to do his work? His people are going to do his work. 
Okay, listen, God's not going to send angels down from heaven. It's going to get accomplished if if Wyvern Baptist Church is going to uh, get things done. You know what? We're going to have to do it. Now, I'm not saying we do it apart from the help of God and the power of God, but literally, while we're here on earth, our bodies are the vessel God uses to get His work accomplished. Let me tell you a principle we need to get. We need to understand. We'll never be prepared to give works if we don't get it. God will not use a dirty vessel. Won't do it. His work's too important. Amen. He's too holy. He's too righteous. What do you got to be clean from? Easy question. Number one, self. That's our problem. That's all of our problems. We're filled with self. Number two, sin. We got to be clean from those things, folks. It's not rocket science. Okay? As a Christian, we must purge ourselves from these things. Uh, the, the, uh, David said it like this in Psalms 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thought. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You ought to pray that prayer to God every single day. God, search me. God, try me. Hey, God, clean me. Let me know, God, is there something in my vessel that shouldn't be there? If there is, God, I give it to you. I confess it to you. By the way, God makes provision for that. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, folks, remember we talked about the blood, talked about this morning, we had the uh, communion service, the power of the blood. There's power in the blood. Let me tell you what there's power in the blood to do. To cleanse us from all our sin. Amen. I ain't just talking about the sin when you get saved. Praise God it does that. It's a continual cleaning agent. Okay? Listen, I would just have one bath in my lifetime. Okay? I mean, I mean, just take it all, take one shower, I'm good. Now, when it comes to being saved, yeah, once saved, always saved. You get saved one time. But you know what? Every single day, I must cleanse myself. Because when I'm out working, when I'm out doing what I do, you know what tends to happen? You start stinking, amen? Okay? And you know what we got to do? We got to continually, as a Christian, ask God to cleanse us and search us and try us and know us. I don't know about y'all folks, but you know what? I found out in life, as I'm out there in the world helping people, and man, I'm sometimes down uh, trying to reach, uh, reach people out of sin and help pull them up. You know what sometimes you find out happens? As you're helping some folks that are, are dealing and struggling, some of that rubs up on you a little bit. I'm not, again, I'm not saying we justify doing things we shouldn't do. That's not what we're talking about. We're just saying this. As a Christian, you've got to be clean, pure, and right. Amen? Amen? We must be cleansed. We must be pure. I'm going to tell you, folks, if we will purge ourselves, and again, we're not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about a pharisaical attitude. Well, I'm better than this person because I do this or don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, oh, God, help me to live the life that will bring you glory and honor, Lord. If there's something in my life that shouldn't be there, God, if I said something I need to get right, if I thought something I need to get right, if there's somebody I need to go to and get right, God, I want to be a vessel to be used. Please, God, cleanse me and search me and try me. Amen? Be prepared for good works. We got to do it God's way. Amen? We got to. Follow the steps. We must follow the process. What do we find in that process this here in 2 Timothy chapter 2? Study, rightly divide, shun, name the name, depart from iniquity, purge. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.